Okay, high time now for our tune of the week. Come on, let's go. This is the Media Industry Guru Show, the show that exposes you to entertainment, music, film, TV, and tech. We're online 24-7-24-7. You're listening to the hottest internet station. And we're back on the Media Industry Guru Podcast here today. She has a very special story. She started playing guitar, then transitioned to being an artist manager while attending USC, studying communication. And then after, she took a few music industry classes and did artist management on the side and landed an internship at Warner Chapel. And this kind of changed her vision of what she wanted to do to do within the music industry it's really fascinating how an internship and um a class can just change your whole perspective and so now she is an attorney a licensed attorney for a big music publishing firm but to get there she graduated only in two years with her law degree isn't that incredible we got to give some claps on that and then after she Passed the bar during, passed the bar during COVID, and then landed this opportunity. So we're going to talk about her experience, the advice that she gives, and then we're going to quiz her on her music industry knowledge, especially in law. So get ready for that quiz, and get ready for Remy Ozer and her music industry background. Hey, Remy, welcome to the Media Industry Guru Podcast. Super excited to hear all about your experience in law. I finally am interviewing a lawyer. Um, It's great to have you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to be here. So how would you describe yourself? You're a Sagittarius, right? I'm also a Sagittarius. Oh, you are? (laughs) Yeah, November. Okay, I'm a December. I'm like a cusper, but I think I think there's a bit of a difference between November and December Sagittarius. But <laughs> tell me, tell me if if you relate to this because okay. I think that I am like the definition of a Sagittarius. So, <laughs> firstly, super curious. Like I have started, I start a million projects at the same time because mm-hmm. I just want to do everything, and yep. I have not finished any of them. Um, <laughs> Um, what else? I, I'm very blunt, which can also be a downfall, but like just very assertive, very blunt, could be judgmental at times, but also (laughs) very adventurous. Mm -hmm. Personally, I think I'm witty and hilarious, but, um, (laughs) yeah, I mean, I, I like writing. I like traveling. I like pets. Those are all Sagittarius Mm things and I really like like thinking and like intellectual <laughs> stimulating conversations and things like that so I don't know I, I do agree do you yeah disagree? I would definitely agree I'm very adventurous inquisitive um curious to learn new things trying out different things I'm doing this podcast full-time job managing a band doing a grad certificate now so like you said juggling multiple different projects i'm also an animal advocate um my family has three dogs and a cat yeah 
Um, so I could definitely relate to that. Go Sagittarius. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I like, I want to do all the things. I want to learn French. I want to be a jazz pianist. I want <laughs> to learn chess. Like, And you also grew up uh, playing piano, right? And And singing? Yes. So, I mean, I feel like it was more of like, you know, that typical five-year-old whose parents make them play piano. And <laughs> Everybody's like, been there. And lessons and like, but you're not really into it and you don't really appreciate the value of it until later in life. Um, so piano was like a little bit short-lived, um, but yes, I grew up singing and then I, going back to wanting to do everything, I taught myself guitar very mediocrely I'm by no means an expert and my hands are too small to play bar chords on the guitar that I have so (laughs) um but yeah I've always been sort of interested in music my mom named me Remy Justine because she thought that it would (laughs) make a great stage name um it does (laughs) the only problem is I don't like being on the stage so that's (laughs) that's, I guess a good segue of how how I got to the music business rather than wanting to be a performer I'm way more interested in the business side and what side of the industry did you explore first did you take a class what led you into the business side starting off so it's actually a kind of crazy story. Um, when I was in high school, I I grew up playing sports, playing soccer, gymnastics, whatever, all of the sports. Um, and I like really thought that I was going to play college soccer and all of this stuff. And in high school, I ended up breaking my back. And oh my goodness. Uh, oh, that's painful. Yeah. Yeah. As a Yikes. freshman also. So I was, it was like crazy. And the same week I got a letter of interest from UCLA saying, Hey, we're watching you until we oh, can officially scout you and recruit you in your junior year. And I'm like, well, I don't know if I can curse, but I was like, well, shit. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm really so, sorry. Oh yeah. So, um, I was, you know, like I was already an angsty teenager, um, but that kind of just like upended my world. So I was in a back race for about eight months and couldn't play sports. I had to wear, I could only have it off for 45 minutes a day, um, which was normally when I showered. I had to sleep with it. Um, I actually, it's in my room and I see it every night when I go to sleep and I'm just like, you bastard but um (laughs) um so during that time I like couldn't do what I loved to do and I needed something else to like keep me grounded Mm -hmm. so that's when I started teaching myself guitar firstly and then I also started like getting into back in when like indie music in the like 2000 tens 2010 2011 um was really popular so like the mgmts and like all of that passion pay all of that kind of stuff um so i was really into that and i started a blog Mm. and i started just like researching all of these 
indie bands. I mean, I know those bands were kind of bigger at the time, but I would I would look into bands that were smaller um, and sort of just be like, hey, it was like a, a Tumblr blog. So like, you know, I mean, it wasn't anything serious, but um, and I just fell in love with the behind the scenes part mm. and the like learning about why these bands and why these artists are doing what they're doing what their like creative intentions were with each song or video or whatever mm-hmm. and that's when I I just like really fell in love with it and I thought I wanted to be a manager so when I got to college I started interning um, with various management companies and I'm skipping a bunch of uh, (laughs) for brevity. Um, Then I got, uh, I went to USC. I studied communications and I was a minor in music industry. And obviously like one of the first things you learn is the basics of copyright law and publishing Mm -hmm. and all of that stuff. Um, Because I mean, before touring got really big publishing, is where the money comes in um Mm -hmm. and then especially during covid when people couldn't tour it was there was like this influx of creating so yeah so i interned at warner chapel in my senior year of college my last semester and in the copyright department and i just saw how many managers would come in and have these like standing meetings with my supervisor who was the director of copyright Mm -hmm. and how she would just sit there and explain to these high like these big artist managers you know like this is why your client got this cease and desist letter this is where like this is how the quote-unquote money trail works and Mm -hmm. all of this stuff that I was kind of like how do they not know this I know that it's like a super convoluted area but then it just dawned on me like you're a manager you're holding these artists livelihoods like literally (laughs) in the palm of your hand and you're not understanding how they're making and losing money Mm -hmm. and that's really when I was like maybe I should go to law school and maybe that would enhance me being a manager and make me even a better manager. So you initially started thinking that you wanted to enter the management side of the business and you interned at a few management companies. What were some of those takeaways that you learned that said oh I like management or maybe it's not the right path and I want to lean towards more copyright law? So initially, I mean, obviously it was super cool to just see how these artists create, why they create and understand them better. Um, And then going back, like, it was just super cool to be a part of making things happen. And, you know, but at the same time, and this is just my opinion I don't mean to like put down any managers or anything like that because it is a very difficult job (laughs) but I already have to take care of myself which is a (laughs) job I don't want to be babysitting somebody else (laughs) Um, yeah so 
I also just, I find the intellectual aspect of law and copyright and like mm-hmm. the analyzing that goes into each situation because it's so subjective. Like there's no, there's law, mm-hmm. right? But applying that law to each situation, no situation is exactly the same. So when I got to law school, that's something that I learned and something that I noticed. And I was still, um, my first year of law school, I was still working at a management company slash indie label. And I, yeah, I mean, I just think that I decided that I had gotten enough out of management Mm. and that I wanted to transition to focusing on being a lawyer full-time. Gotcha. And you mentioned that in your bio, you interned at Warner Chapel. Was this during your time at USC? And did this get you motivated for furthering your education and getting your law degree? And did you have any mentors during that path? Yeah, so this was, I interned at Warner Chapel my last semester of college. Um, So yeah, right up until graduation. And I, I guess that's partly it, it like sort of fed into like, oh, I guess now I take the LSAT type of thing because <laughs> college is ending. What do I do now? On another note, I also also come from a family of doctors and I <laughs> and I, every lawyer will tell you this, but like, especially for me, you can ask my mom who had to help me with my homework. I cannot do math. And <laughs> I so that was just like not happening in any form in this world so obviously I am like conditioned for higher education and all of that stuff but I didn't I mean law school had always been a consideration but it wasn't until I got to Warner Chapel and like saw this discrepancy Mm -hmm. if you will that I was like what how what is the remedy for this how can I fix this hole that's between like management and law sort of um Mm -hmm. as for mentors my supervisor was fantastic and um she would be like write down any questions at the end of the day Mm -hmm. We'll talk about any questions you have. Being a Sagittarius, I had a lot of questions. (laughs) Um, But it's interesting because I think, sorry, this is going in a totally different direction, but I think being in the end, not even specific to music, but entertainment as a whole, um, mentors are really important. Networking is really important. Mm -hmm. I mean, we all know that saying, your network is your net worth type Mm -hmm. of thing it's not who you it's not what you know but who you know and I think I've had a mentor like different stages in every like piece of what I of my journey Mm. um so like at Warner Chapel definitely my supervisor was a mentor at and then during the LSAT, I sought people who had gone through what I had gone through. And then during mm-hmm. law school, I mean, uh, I it was a unique situation for law school for me because mm-hmm. I did it in two years. Um, wow. So that was 
I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> Two years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it definitely took a few years off of my life. That's for sure. <laughs> but um, yeah, so like, I mean, going through law school in general is unique and nobody really understands what you're going through but then also having this added pressure of doing it in two years um that's a whole other like you are your mind and the way you think is changing so quickly that nobody really understands it unless they've been through it so Mm -hmm. definitely you have to have mentors that in my law school had like what we what they called dean's fellows so basically built-in mentors that were the class above you um and then after law school like for the bar you need to talk to people who have gone through that and then getting your first job Mm -hmm. for lucky me like I had to get my first job during a pandemic a global pandemic when everyone was in lockdown so I mean there weren't really people who had gone through that but (laughs) um (laughs) but I mean you know mentors are super important in finding the right person if you can find one person who has gone through everything you're trying to do great but that's super unlikely mm-hmm. um because everybody's path is so different so yeah and you mentioned that one of the toughest parts of this industry is your net worth and your network like the comparison your network is Um, your net worth, basically. And you mentioned that your parents coming from um, more of a doctoral background, they didn't have any entertainment experience. So explain that type of quote unquote hustle that you had to like strive and like be in this business for. Everybody has to kind of sort of hustle in this business and think on their toes. Right. Yeah. So my mom's a psychiatrist. My dad's a stockbroker. My mom's whole family brother dad whatever uncles are all doctors um so nobody there's really nobody who um had gone this route before Mm -hmm. and I mean from an outsider's perspective looking at the entertainment industry and probably specifically the music industry they're kind of like why would anybody want to get involved with this these people are crazy which is (laughs) so true and I think you have to be crazy to get into it but that's another story um that's a part of being Sagittarius right (laughs) um so I mean they were always very supportive but at the same time it wasn't like hey let me call this person who Mm -hmm. works at XYZ record label because they didn't know these people. They, Mm -hmm. they, I don't still, I still don't think they understand what I'm doing. And I still (laughs) don't think my dad understands that I'm not going to court every day (laughs) (laughs) because I'm not a litigator. Um, But like, so, I mean, it just put that extra Umph, like you know if I really want this I have to make it happen for myself mm-hmm. and one of my favorite quotes ever is if they don't give you a seat at the table bring a folding chair mm-hmm. um and I think that that is something that I have learned to live by I was super shy growing up but knowing that I wanted to make it in this industry like that had to change you have to go and talk to people and make people feel like they're the most important person Mm -hmm. in the world and you know but at the same time like 
when I network, I genuinely try to find people that I have a connection with, whether that be their USC alumni or they went to my law school or they worked at this company that I worked at or whatever, like, or even like they have a dog. I don't know. Just like (laughs) something that you can relate on that makes it a little bit Mm -hmm. more human and not just, hey, can I get this? because I want a job and I never ask for a job I always ask to hear about these people's experiences and if they have any advice and here's another quote for you ask (laughs) for a job you'll get advice ask for advice you'll get a job um I mean (laughs) never heard that one but that one's good okay well there you go um but yeah I mean I I mean, you you tell me you're in this industry, like how important yeah. is networking and just like meeting people because these everyone's always going to when they're hiring, they're always going to think about who do I know? Mm-hmm. And it's always going to come from a referral or come from internal. Yeah. Um, and most of the time when it reaches the job board, it's just it's there. already done. But it's yeah, somebody it's already filled. So and also who better to learn from the people than from the people that are doing it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you need to have mentors. You need to network alumni bases. I mean, you're paying for the college education, so you might as well take advantage of it. It's a great resource out there. At a school like USC, you're also kind of paying for the alumni network. So, which has (laughs) been great. I mean, the professors there, just like any other school that has a specific pro like if they have a music program or a film program I don't know whatever you're into like take advantage of that um there are some people whose parents know everybody and that's great (laughs) for them but I also think it sort of gives you a little grit and like sort of Mm -hmm. shapes who you are and your work ethic yeah if you don't have access to these things and you're you're the first one in your family to do Mm -hmm. these things Definitely. Couldn't agree more. So when you were in law school, for someone that's kind of interested in entertainment law, um, there's probably many different sectors of law that you can go into within the entertainment industry, right? Could you explain the different sectors? Yeah. I mean, firstly, you have film, you have TV, you have music, you have social media like influencers. Influencer Mm -hmm. law is a weird Mm. big thing now um so literally anything that's making money or content (laughs) is going to need a lawyer Uh, (laughs) and then you also have like production law and you have like finance production law and all that stuff Mm. and there's your math so don't ask me to explain what that is because my brain shuts off when I hear finance um (laughs) So, yeah, and then even within music law, you have, like, publishing, and then you also have the label side, and Mm -hmm. then you also have the talent side, and then you also have agents and all of that stuff. So, I mean, whatever you can think of, it's probably there. And you mentioned you're not a litigation attorney, so you don't go into court. So explain what type of attorney you are. Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) I do transactional law, so transactions, contracts, that kind of thing. Um, I admire litigators and people who can get up in front of a judge (laughs) and not 
start laughing because they're embarrassed or nervous. Um, but I mean, both sides really go hand in hand because usually the litigators are litigating a breach of the contract or mm-hmm. whatever, something that has to do with the contract. But at the same time, the transactional lawyers are trying to draft the contracts so that they don't have to go to litigation and that there <laughs> won't be any breaches. So it's a, it goes hand in hand. And so you probably studied both in your law school career, right? And then you fell into more of the copyright law. Is that where you like lean towards because you were like, oh, I don't want to appear in court every day and um, make cases and arguments? I mean, so yeah, when you're in law school, my, since I was in this accelerated program, it was kind of different in that we had less... Um, opportunities to take electives we still got to take some but not as many as in the traditional like three-year program so you have to take the classes that are going to appear on the bar of course those classes are going to include like litigation type classes civil and criminal and all of that stuff and like evidence and like you know when you when you're watching law and order or something and you hear them say objection uh leading or whatever they say like you learn what all that stuff means um and when is the appropriate time to raise those objections and how Mm -hmm. that the whole process of a trial works um and then you also have to take contract law that's one of the first classes you take in law school i think um so you learn what is a contract what makes a contract valid it's unfortunately it's a little bit less it's more theoretical than practical because like I'm never sitting there being like, is this a valid contract? Is there offer acceptance and consideration? Of course there is. So that's where the electives are super helpful. And I did take like a music industry contracts class where we would go through um, different contracts, management contracts, Mm. recording agreements, producer agreements, NDAs, like all kinds of publishing agreements, all kinds of different agreements. And that's where like you start to learn the terminology and how industry standards and things like that. But I mean, law school as a whole is more just theoretical. They say like you go to law school and then your first few years of being an associate or an attorney, you're in like lawyer school because then you're actually learning how to put all of these things to use. Um, As for my interest in copyright law, I was lucky enough to go into law school knowing exactly what I wanted to do, which I know not everybody has the luxury of doing. Um, And I also know that copyright law can be super boring and that I'm super nerdy for liking it and like wanting to read the new bills that come out and that are being proposed and all of that stuff. But I don't think my mind ever swayed when I was in law school. I knew that this was what I wanted to do. And copyright was the only class I was excited to take. (laughs) Well, you got to form your passion in law school or in college and uh, pursue your endeavors. That's what I've always learned. It's important to pursue your passion. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think also with that comes... um, 
not being afraid to do something that's unconventional. Mm-hmm. So like after graduating law school, I have a couple friends who have taken positions where they're not lawyers and they're they try and justify it to themselves, but you know, who cares? Like if you're doing what you want to do and you're happy, cool. More power to you. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. So what were some of your biggest takeaways from doing law school in only two years? That's still incredible and shocks me still. (laughs) Yeah, me too. I kind of have all blocked everything out since the bar, honestly. (laughs) We'll talk about that soon. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think my takeaways, I think it's just... I mean, this sounds so cliche, but it's just important to stay true to yourself. If you have a passion, who cares what everybody else is doing? I mean, everybody, all the people in my class who wanted to be work at the um, DA's office or do criminal law or whatever, like that journey is so different from being doing anything in entertainment, like mm-hmm. In entertainment, nothing is formal. Not, like it's, it's nobody knows what they're doing. Everyone's figuring it out as they go. Mm-hmm. Whereas, obviously, like these other people have their shit together, <laughs> and like, so I think one of the takeaways, biggest takeaways, is just to not pay attention to what other people are doing and mm-hmm. just honestly do you and do what, what makes you happy. Yeah. Mental health, keeping your mental health on straight that didn't make sense but you know what I mean is I think super important especially when you're doing law school and you're it's so competitive and you're seeing all of these people do things but it's they're doing them and things are happening more quickly for them because that's just how that industry whatever industry they're trying to get into goes so Mm -hmm. Everybody's on their own journey and their own path. Um, And a lot of people are worried about uh, what others think about them, but everybody's in the same boat. (laughs) Exactly. And that that was something that was really hard for me to learn. But at the end of the day, everyone's their own person. Everyone's going to approach things differently Mm -hmm. and have a different outlook on things and want different things out of life. So... You, it's you really cannot compare yourself to anyone or your journey to anyone else's great tip yeah so now let's talk about the bar the most gruesome part of probably being a lawyer right <laughs> oh my gosh uh, so what was how many hours did you have to study for that <laughs> so okay I graduated in 2020 um into a pandemic the bar for the first time ever was up in the air is it gonna happen is it not it was so crazy there were like all these petitions going around cancel the bar exam or like make it open book or whatever and california (laughs) has like one of the hardest yeah it's the top notch in the country yeah yeah they recently just made it from three days to two days um wow yeah which yeah i couldn't even in three days so It happens twice a year, July and February, last Tuesday and Wednesday, I think, of those months. So I was supposed to take the July exam. Then it gets canceled because they're like, we don't know what's going on in the world. And they don't make it online, right? 
well, we just we just don't know what's happening. So you're studying, you start studying in May, right after you graduate. And at this point, like, then they're like, okay, it's going to be in August. And then you're <laughs> like, okay. And then they're like, no, it's going to be in September. A few months and then two years. And then they're like, okay, it's going to be in October and it's going to be fully online. And we're like, how the heck is that going to work? Ooh. I don't know. But also at this point, like we were prepared to start studying in May. Like, this is for math, May, June, July, August, September, five months now of studying. And I mean, you have to study a lot, but you can also overstudy. So that's not good either. That is so not good. So it was absolutely crazy. But I think like once we all figured out what was going on and we got back on our schedules, um, it was probably about eight hours a day. I mean, I know there are people who study every waking hour, but for me, there just comes a point where I'm not retaining any information anymore and it's not useful and I need to go outside and be in nature right, and, yeah. and mm-hmm. you know, like let that information absorb and whatever. Um, so, I mean, I wasn't super rigid about it I would I was more task-based like I want to complete this many essays today and these subjects and this many multiple choice questions today so Mm -hmm. I mean but also a lot of people do bar prep programs and that just doesn't work for me because I need I know what my weaknesses and strengths Mm -hmm. are And those don't give me the ability to focus on those things. So I got a tutor. So, I mean, again, everybody does it differently. Everybody's journey is different. Mm -hmm. So after you passed the bar, you hustled and were able to get an opportunity as part of the legal counsel and um, be a licensing manager as well for a large independent music publishing company. So what are... What are your general day-to-day responsibilities and what were some of the skills that you acquired either at USC or your law experience that kind of translate to this day-to-day job? Yeah, so it's interesting because, I mean, obviously there are things I learned in law school that I have to use, like, I mean, law, for one. (laughs) Contracts. um, But... I think what I use more is the knowledge that I've gained from internships and actually the practical hands-on experience um, doing that, which, I mean, law school was not a waste by any means, but I think people, I mean, you just have to like set your expectations of what is law school actually going to do for me. You're going to law school to get the degree and to be able to get the license. You're not going to law school to learn everything you need to know. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I mean, the majority of my time in law school was spent learning things that I will never ever use in my life (laughs) and never want to use in my (laughs) life. Um, So what I do, I am, yes, a legal I'm legal counsel and a licensing manager, which is sort of a weird position because I have like two completely different jobs. Um, Mm. So the licensing manager and me 
does licensing. <laughs> so like, dra- which is still, it's still drafting. So I'm drafting different licenses. So like different types of synchronization licenses, television, video game, um, film, movie, trailer, whatever, wherever you s- music plays in an audiovisual capacity. Um, and then also like that part of me actually works with the clients and is like, Hey, we got this request, you know, this is, these are the rights they want. These are the terms. Are you okay with it? Do you want to up the fee? Whatever. And then, so sort of negotiating those, those, um, deals. And then the Mm -hmm. legal counsel part of me is sort of more all encompassing. So when new clients come in, we have to do an, we specifically do a type of publishing deal called an administration deal so mm-hmm. we draft the admin deals and sort of that's that's sort of like our mm-hmm. contract with them and then also any infringements that happen we deal with the cease and desist letters and the takedowns and mm-hmm. if it goes past that any like settlements that need to happen that type of thing um and then any agreements that are being done with like service providers, like for example, Apple or Hulu or what, I don't know, whoever these streaming platforms that want to use our clients' music, we negotiate those and execute those agreements. So, I mean, there are so many things. No day is exactly the same, um, which is super cool. I never thought that I was going to be in-house in publishing. Mm -hmm. Um, I was always of the mindset that I was going to go to a firm, but Mm -hmm. no in-house. It's pretty nice. I mean, (laughs) no one's bothering me on the weekends. It's a Saturday today. I don't have to worry about Anybody, (laughs) I'm not even going to look at my email today. And I know that that's okay because there's not going to be an email in there tomorrow. And that is super, super nice. (laughs) And what do you think is one of the most rewarding parts of your job being an entertainment attorney? I think just you're being an advocate for somebody who is creating something that adds value to your life as well. I am a music fan. So being able to help these musicians and advocate on their behalf and settle the injustices that are out there for them, you know, I think that's rewarding. And then also when you go to a show of your client and you see them performing and doing what they love, like that is an experience like no other. Mm -hmm. And do you have any advice for aspiring entertainment attorneys or people that are inquisitive in college that want to study law? Any tips or recommendations or resources? Um, Oh my gosh, I have so many, (laughs) so many things to say. (laughs) I think... But I think one of the most important things that I learned, and this this sort of goes back to the theme of, you know, do your own thing, is if you're if you're applying to schools, if you're thinking about law school and you're you're taking the LSAT and you can't quite get that score that you need to go to Harvard or whatever, mm-hmm. 
who cares? Go to a school where you're firstly not going to have a million dollars in loans after (laughs) number two, where that has a program that you want. It doesn't matter about the name. It matters what you do with it. So Mm -hmm. again, networking. So yeah, I mean, you make of your journey, what you're going to do. You, Mm -hmm. you dictate how it's going to go. So, I mean, you can go to Harvard and also not go out to any networking events at all and then and end that's up graduating and end up graduating <laughs> with zero connections. Or you could go to a non-accredited school and have to take like the baby bar like Kim Kardashian. Oh, she's not even in law school, but um, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And but basically do what she's doing where you have to take the baby bar every few I don't know how it works but whatever and end up coming out with the most connections and having the most work mm-hmm. experience and being the most desirable hiring candidate so very good tip. I mean optics optics are just that they're just optics and anything exciting coming up in your personal or professional endeavors any uh shout outs or anything in general that are coming up yeah yeah I mean I'm a part of this um, nonprofit organization called The FAM, and we have a lot of exciting events and programs launching, and we have a scholarship program launching, and it's just great, and its whole focus is about on collaboration and positivity surrounding mental health in the music industry, and yeah, I mean, check it out, The FAM mm-hmm. I think it's either thefam.org or thefammusic.org. I don't know. The great Um, organization. I've interviewed Aaron and Rucci. They both spoke highly of it. Love, love them. Um, Yeah, I've been working with Aaron since its inception, and he has done a great job Mm -hmm. um, making this organization into what it is. So definitely check it out. Well, awesome. Thank you, Remy, for being on the podcast. I got a quiz that we could go through like three five questions about copyright law if you're oh my god want okay. some trivia <laughs> i'll share my screen and then i'll just read off the questions and then you can pick the answer it's multiple choice <laughs> it is an infringement of copyright law when okay so a is you copy four bars from someone's original score b is you copy six bars from someone's original score C is you copy eight bars or more from someone's original score. And D is you copy two bars from someone's original score. E is any or all of the above. I am going with E. And I think that this is a very um, meaty topic, especially surrounding fair use, because people Mm -hmm. think you know, I mean, I'm not trying to get into a whole like lecture here, but uh, <laughs> people think that you can use 30 seconds of a song or four bars of a song or whatever. And I have no idea where that came from. <laughs> think about it. And you use four, four notes, but those notes are dun, 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 dun. Like that is mm-hmm. so hardcore infringement because you know exactly that Beethoven mm-hmm. is responsible for that. So you better credit him. I mean, <laughs> that example because he's in the public domain because he's like way dead. But um, mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Okay. Question Copyright two. law exists on the idea, the work, the material form, or the artistic craftsmanship. So I don't know if I understand this question, but I will say you something is copyrighted when it is fixed in a tangible medium. So I mean you could copyright an idea if you write it down, yeah. but um I don't I don't I don't know about this one. Can we pick let's one? Go with, let's go with I don't know. Let's go with the I don't know what the material form means, but let's go with that. Nope. Yeah, okay. that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> And all in royalty will cover artist royalty only, producer royalty only, artist royalty and producer royalty or none of the above. Okay, so I have not, I'm doing the publishing side. I have not looked at producer no. agreements in a very long time, <laughs> but we can, all in is the producer's royalty from the artist royalty. So go with C. Yep. We'll do two more questions. Oh my God. Okay. Hopefully I get them right. So far you're on a winning score. (laughs) In order to protect your compositions, you must register them with the local union, your lawyer, library of Congress in Washington, all the above or none of the above. So this is like a classic misconception in copyright law in order for it to be protected um you don't have to register it with anyone in order Mm. if you want to sue and get statutory damages and like money compensation for if somebody infringes your work then it has to be registered but technically you don't have to register so I'm not sure what they're going with. I would either say C, Library of Congress, or D, none of the above. So. You go with Library of Congress? Let's see. Let's, yeah. Yep. <laughs> cool. Last question. The company or person outside your home territory that you use to collect your money and issue your licenses, sub-publisher, co-publisher, third publisher, None of the above or a music attorney. That is called a sub publisher. Yep. Awesome. Five out of five. Yay. Yay. (laughs) I thought I've learned something. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you've done amazing things with flying colors, graduated USC, did two years of law school, graduated with that, passed the bar, and now are doing amazing things at an independent large publishing firm. So congratulations, Remy, on all things that you've done. And we can't see, we can't wait to see more of what you do in this entertainment business as a copyright attorney. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to listen and learn from all of the other guests that you have in in all different facets (laughs) of the industry. So thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Media Industry Guru Podcast. Stay tuned for coolest upcoming episodes. They're going to be wildfire, y'all. They are incredible. And stay tuned for upcoming music industry professionals, film professionals, artists, 
tech, anything that you want to hear, feel free to email at mediaindustryguru.podcast at gmail.com. Or if you would like to be on the podcast and give a little promo or shout out or just talk with me because you know what I'm doing on Tuesdays, listening to my own podcast, but also interviewing other guests because I love doing this. This is my passion project, but also my side hustle. So feel free to email me at mediaindustryguru.podcast at gmail.com. We'll set up a time. Listen to episodes on Tuesdays, 6 p.m. Pacific, 8 Central, 9 Eastern, on Anchor, Spotify, Stitcher, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and now iHeart and Deezer. So thank you for tuning in to the Media Industry Guru Podcast, and peace out, and we will rock and roll.